0: today on the daily scoop podcast from the scoop news group how to build the digital airmen of tomorrow
1: a lot of this is about data being able to link databases be able to rapidly come up with forces of action as alternatives and be able to make decisions and push those decisions
0: out making usa.gov the front door of the government means building the rest of the house too
2: we're actually in the process of developing a roadmap We're working closely with our agency partners um, and we're looking at use cases across government.
0: And everybody at the table to solve the customer experience challenge.
2: Ultimately, you know, it's really
3: important for the business and IT and kind of all segments of an organization, government organization, to really understand how we want our customers to experience doing business with us.
0: It's Tuesday, March 1st, 2022, day two of IT Mod Week. Welcome to the Daily Scoop Podcast, sponsored by Salesforce. Every afternoon you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Federal employees in the Washington, D.C. area won't have to mask up in the office starting today. A memo from the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force says in jurisdictions like D.C. where the COVID level low, the government won't require masks regardless of vaccination status. The district's mask mandate ends today too. 25 new technology innovation fellows will work in 14 agencies across government this year. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will get four of the fellows. CDC's one of two new agencies in the PIF program along with the federal emergency management agency you can read more on these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com today's daily scoop podcast is presented by salesforce the number one crm bringing the public sector and customers together in the digital age the salesforce customer 360 for public sectors an integrated platform for public services you can learn more at salesforce.com slash government The Air Force will reassign all of its multi-domain warfare officers. It created the career field in 2018. Deborah Lee James is the chair of the Defense Business Board. She's the 23rd Secretary of the Air Force, and she's author of Aim High, Chart Your Course, and Find Success. Debbie, welcome. It's great to see you again. The uh, Chief of Staff of the Air Force, General Brown, says, the knowledge multi-domain warfare officers bring to the fight is too critical to confine to a single career field. What does this say? about where the Air Force is going and what it wants its airmen to be able to do. Welcome, Debbie.
1: Thank you. Great Great to be with you always, Francis. So um, as you point out, this career field, the multi-domain career field, is a rather young career field. It was only created back in 2018. So if you think back what was going on in 2018, General General, um, Goldfein, the then chief of staff of the Air Force, was truly a, an evangelist for this idea of we need to have joint all domain command and control, which is this, this idea of being able to utilize data, be able to understand it, communicate it, link it up with sensors and the ability to um, you know put effects on targets. That's the idea of it. So I think as part of that thrust, he was trying to make a statement by creating a career field. However, as this concept has caught on, and particularly since the career field has only got about 135 airmen who have joined it since 2018, I think uh, the now chief of staff views it as something that this has to be, everybody has to have this digital savvy across our Air Force. Shouldn't just be confined. We need to now blend it into the schoolhouse training for all career fields. So I think that is the reason for phasing out uh, this career field and the airmen who have joined it will be reassigned into other career fields where they will have very good opportunities as well.
0: What should airmen be learning all across the force that was concentrated in this specialty before?
1: Right. Well, they all airmen nowadays have to be digitally savvy. They need to understand something about network operations, We've been focusing on jointness for a long, long time. That needs to continue. Um, Whether your specialty relates to air or whether it relates to cyber, You know, everybody needs to know some of both. Everybody needs to understand a little bit about the space domain, as well as how all of this interoperates with the land and the sea and the undersea. So all of these are the domains, that's why it's called multi-domain, and how we integrate together. And again, a lot of this is about data, being able to link databases, be able to rapidly come up with courses of action as alternatives and be able to make decisions and push those decisions out. So these are the types of capabilities, the concepts of operations, there'll be tactics, techniques and procedures that ultimately will be written. And this has to be inculcated across the Air Force over time.
0: Is this primarily a training and education focus to make this succeed, Debbie, or are there other elements that the force should pursue to make sure that this transition is smooth and that the airmen that need to have these capabilities have these capabilities over time?
1: It certainly is a training and education um, issue, and that is the way it will reach the very large numbers in the Air Force. But remember, it's also a real world imperative. So there will be assignments that officers and enlisted, for that matter, will have over time. Now, perhaps not everyone will will have those assignments, but there will be critical assignments where you'll be in a real world environment and you will need to be able to employ this knowledge and these tactics, techniques and procedures.
0: I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation uh, that uh, your newest role is as the chair of the Defense Business Board. Uh, what is the board looking at right now? The charge, of course, is to support the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. What, is, uh, what kind of work is the board doing right now, Debbie?
1: Well, we are assigned study topics by the Secretary and the Deputy Secretary of Defense, which relate in some way to the business operations of the Department of Defense. Right now, we've got three studies ongoing. And indeed, one of them is very, very close to conclusion. The one that we are close to concluding relates to the mentor protege program. We were actually directed by the Congress in an authorization act to review this program, whereby large companies mentor small disadvantaged businesses and help them receive uh, training in business development, uh, certifications in ISO, and uh, that sort of thing. So we're very close on that one um, and uh, it'll be rolling out soon. Uh, The other two studies, one relates to the upskilling and the reskilling of the civilian workforce. So this relates to what are the capabilities we need for the future, what types of of knowledge and what types of training do our civilians need for the future versus what do they have today? Um, uh, So that one is probably gonna conclude around the June timeframe, May, June. And similarly, we have an ongoing study on executive analytics. This would be what are the top dashboard elements and metrics that leaders at different levels should be looking at and why within the Department of Defense. Again, May, June timeframe will be the conclusion there.
0: That executive analytics one, I think of the three, they all sound pretty interesting, but that one is the one that jumps out at me as potentially having the most impact, the fastest at the very top levels of the services and the top level of OSD. Think it's a fair read on my part, Debbie?
3: I think so.
1: But I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't undersell the other one, the upskilling and the reskilling sure. as well. I think they both have the, 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 uh, the capacity to have uh, great impact. And both of them were directed by the deputy secretary, which means both issues are top of mind for those top leaders.
0: Deborah Lee James, terrific conversation as always. Thanks for coming on the program.
2: Thank you, Francis.
0: You can read more about the new digital skills for airmen in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. You're right in the heart of IT Mod Week and the lineup for IT Mod Talks is loaded with government stars. One of them's GSA Administrator Robin Carnahan. You'll hear from her on tomorrow's Daily Scoop Podcast. That show debuts Wednesday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows and you can see the full IT Mod Talks lineup for tomorrow, in today's show notes, the daily The Internal Revenue Service says it'll move to the Login.gov identity solution from the General Services Administration at the end of this tax year. It's the latest example of agencies using government-grown tools to meet the customer experience goals of the president's management agenda. Ashley Mahan is Acting Assistant Commissioner of the Technology Transformation Services at GSA. Ashley, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. Obviously, the focus at TTS on digital modernization and digital transformations What's the intersection between that work and the work you did at FedRAMP uh, before you became the Acting Assistant Commissioner? Welcome, Ashley.
2: Hi, Francis, and thank you so much for having me on the Daily Scoop podcast. I'm just like so absolutely delighted to, to be here and, you know, just kind of talking about FedRAMP um, for a few. It was an honor being the FedRAMP director. Uh, it was wonderful to work with such excellent, you know, team members and really able to develop strong relationships with cloud service providers and industry and agencies, and you know it was really neat to work with agencies that were transitioning to the cloud, and really getting a good understanding of their technological challenges and really how modern tech, cloud technology could positively impact them, to you know help them deliver on their mission. So having to having the ability and the opportunity to really work closely with over two hundred cloud products. I was able to develop a pretty strong understanding of each one of those products like functionality and their capabilities while also focusing on cybersecurity and you know helping agencies you know move to the cloud and authorize these systems and i'd say that you know the knowledge uh that i was uh, provided through fedramp has really given me a robust and comprehensive perspective on how we can bring these two communities together both industry and agencies to really deliver optimal digital experiences to the public while we're focusing on cybersecurity and my new role within TTS.
0: What's kind of the broad portfolio of that role, Ashley? What is TTS offering agencies that maybe they can't do for themselves or don't have the scale to do for themselves?
2: Sure. I think just starting with a little bit of like, what is that broad offering? So, um, within um, the portfolio that I oversee, we have over 20 government wide products and services um, that are within that portfolio um, programs like USAGov, which really serves as a front door to the public for government information and services um, to the United States web design system, um, which is a, you know, the government website standard for uh, federal websites Um, As well as we have programs like FedRAMP, right, from a cybersecurity standpoint, as well as login.gov and cloud platforms like cloud.gov, the digital analytics program, you know, data.gov, as well as we have a focus on bringing communities and people together through digital.gov, communities of practice, as well as um, Mm max.gov. know we're really in this unique position to provide you know insights and connections to agencies um to help reduce you know any kind of unnecessary silos um to provide digital service options and then really be able to share lessons learned to create that you know seamless government experience and um just to kind of put make these you know names of these products a little bit more tangible. Um, you know, when you go to a federal government website, take go to GSA.gov, for instance, and at the um, header of the webpage, you'll see um, an official website of the United States government. And here's how, you know, that's actually part of the United States web design system. And so, you know, the, the purpose is to really help promote trust and um, to the public that they know that when they are coming to, um, you know, a reliable trusting government source um, from one agency to the next, you know, they'll still kind of get that same look and feel and um, the same experience. Right. Um, And it's something that the U.S. web design system promotes.
0: That's a customer experience element that the administration's been really focused on. It's listed specifically in the president's management agenda. And it strikes me that that Element is not the only customer experience service that you're providing, right?
2: That's true. Yeah, we have um, so many different uh, customer experience um, footprints, if you will, within this portfolio. Another one to mention is, you know, USA Gov, as I mentioned earlier, really serving as that. Um, you know, front door to government informations and services. And really in that, actually the CXEO mentions USAGov by name, where we're actually working to develop a roadmap for a redesigned USAGov um, that aims to really serve as that like centralized digital federal front door for which the public can navigate government benefits and services and programs um, and features really a more streamlined um uh streamlined way as well as incorporating a lot of human-centered design principles that um you know that we would uh use as kind of design um principles going into uh you know the build and the reimagining of this website the other thing that um usa gov does is also <clears throat> we have usa gov in english as well in espanol um and so we're also continuing to look at other languages that we can publish um, content in, um, as well as we have call center technology. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, members of the public that may not have access to the Internet um, or to online services. And so we have a call center technology that um, the public can call uh, USA.gov to find information um, as well.
0: What does the strategy look like or do we know yet what the strategy looks like to connect all the agencies that need to be connected to that portal to get that way? Because if that's going to kind of be the front door for a citizen to come through to deal with the federal government, it strikes me that they'll need to be able to then walk down the hallway and go into the doors of these other agencies if we want to keep using that analogy.
2: It's a great question. And um, what we're doing is we're actually we're working really hard on that strategy. We're actually in the process of developing a roadmap we're working closely with our agency partners, um, and we're looking at use cases across government um, that we can pull in um, to this roadmap and um, be able to provide you know uh, that uh, excellent uh, customer experience to for for the public. So um, more work to be done, but we are really in the in the thick of it and crafting that roadmap at this time.
0: Well, what is the the broader support capability that TTS has available for agencies across government who are trying to do it on their own but maybe are not. Fully don't have the capacity they need to do that, or don't have the, the the breadth of knowledge that they would like to have, or or just you know need some kind of support. Ashley.
2: Yeah. No. Again, another um, great question. Um, TTS. We also have um, uh, different business units. We have AT&F, the Centers of Excellence, as well as PIF, um, are all part of the the TTS family. Um, To help agencies and their, you know, uh, unique and PIF is actually Presidential Innovation Fellows uh, to help uh, help agencies in their unique needs or challenges and to come in uh, to help them innovate um, or, uh, you know, support them um, when it comes to technology
0: all right what do you miss most about fed ramp about being having hands on that every single day ashley
2: oh my goodness well i really love um working with the team day in day out you know working with the people um as part of the fed ramp pmo uh, but also just working you know closely with agencies and and industry uh but i'll tell you in my new role um i i still hold them very close and i pull them in um as i'm you know working with agencies or in you know uh, reimagining some of the products that we offer within the solutions or within TTS. Um, it's, you know, they're only a phone call away. So, um, I keep, I definitely keep them close, um, you know, with me in my, in my new role.
0: It's great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you. You can read more about the technology transformation services in today's show notes, the daily scoop That login.gov solution Ashley Mahan talked about isn't limited to the federal government. GSA announced recently it's available for some states and localities to try it, too. Mia Jordan is Digital Transformation Executive for the public sector for Salesforce. She's former Chief Information Officer at the Federal Student Aid Office at the Department of Education. Salesforce sponsors today's Daily Scoop podcast. Mia, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. The IT modernization journey that agencies are on intersects, doesn't it, with the digital transformation journey that agencies are on? The login.gov uh, example is one. What are some of the things that you're seeing across government as agencies are making these transformations? Welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Francis. Um, I am uh, excited about the fact that you know, these two uh, important initiatives are intersecting. I mean, the reality is that, you know, digital transformation, while many people think it's very IT focused, it's really very business focused, if anything, right, enabled by IT. And the federal government, I think, is um, really poised to try to make it the experience with doing business with the federal government very much like what people expect now with. With uh, any other business that they um, that they conduct, and so digital transformation and IT modernization go hand in hand. Uh, ultimately, you know, it's really taking a, a deep look at how do we do business, how do we provide services to citizens, and essentially using uh, modern tools to make those experiences better, uh, and to ultimately allow government agencies to track, manage, and monitor how. Um, Taxpayer dollars are spent.
0: Where are you seeing the biggest progress in IT monetization? Me, either the field or the business practice or whatever. Where are agencies making gains in your view?
3: I think huge gains are being made, certainly um, in the mission, right? In terms of uh, citizen-facing uh, tools to allow citizens to interact with with the government more efficiently, and certainly the pandemic, you know, propelled us. Uh, forward, uh, probably light years, um, where if if there hadn't been kind of that push to do business online and virtually, um, it probably would have taken us another, you know, couple of years to, to get to where we are now. I think, though, the expectation has been set, the groundwork has been laid, um, and you're starting to see agencies pick up the playbooks of other organizations uh, attempting to do um and, and simulate uh, the same kinds of experiences. I mean, one of the common ones is, you know, just around inputting applications for the government. You know, that that kind of um, capability is now being replicated over and over and over again to allow citizens to access either uh, grants like with PPP um, or other uh, for disasters as well. So um, I think I think huge strides are being made there
0: that was one of the goals that you talked to me about when you're still at usda about how you and your colleagues across usda were trying to make it so that somebody could apply for something once And then use that information all across the department, wherever else in the department they were, instead of having to start from scratch and do that all over again. That really is the core, I think, of that intersection between IT modernization, because you all were focused on that back end and the mission delivery on the front end and what the customer wants, because they don't want to fill something out seven times.
3: Exactly. I mean, that's the whole impetus behind CRM, which is once I know you're a customer, Uh, the different products and needs that you have across my organization. It's just a matter of that customer profile following you anywhere. Uh, And and Salesforce has proven that it does that very successfully. Uh, And it's something that I think agencies uh, honestly should keep in their toolboxes uh, because it's quite frustrating, right? To to go to say, you know, USDA to fill out uh, a home loan. Um, But then also I end up uh, needing um, say, Snap assistance, right? Um, I want to be able to have that, that my profile follow me wherever I go.
0: What's the strategy for starting that concept? A lot of agencies, Presence Management Agenda comes out, talks about customer experience, a lot of agencies that are already making progress, but in some cases it's ad hoc progress and they've been trying things here and there. Yeah. How does one formulate a strategy to tie all the pieces together once one knows what pieces they already have?
3: Yeah, well, you know, this is a uh, customer experience, although this uh, executive order has come out, you know, in the prior administration, CX was a, um, um, a priority as well. I mean, USDA, just to kind of point back to the Centers of Excellence, actually uh, stood up a, a CX, you know, kind of center of practice um, in that organization. But it's really important, I think, for uh, organizations to understand that customer experience is not the same thing as customer service. I see a lot of agencies kind of uh, putting out surveys, and I think while there's goodness there, ultimately, you know, it's really important for the business and IT and kind of all segments of an organization, government organization, to really understand how do we want our customers to experience doing business with us, either from a website, all the way to um, coming in the front door. Like, what does that what does that look like? What does that feel like? Because that is the essence of customer experience. And so while uh, I think there has been some goodness with chief uh, customer experience officers being nominated and there definitely being some momentum behind them, there is a tight relationship with the CIO, right? There's a tight relationship with the COO around, like, how do we really create Uh, an experience that sets us apart and allows our our citizens to feel like they want to engage
0: with us. Strikes me. There's also an important relationship there with the CFO to understand how you're going to pay for it all, right?
3: Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, what do you see on the landscape right now as having the biggest potential for modernization moving forward? Or where is the biggest? It seemed, I think we've gotten the low hanging fruit at this point. Sure. And I wonder where the biggest, the greatest need or the greatest potential is in your view right now, Mia?
3: Well, as a CIO, and even now in my role at Salesforce, I kind of think about um, how we engage a kind of across three pillars. There's the citizen pillar, um, there is the employee pillar, and then there's the, the partner pillar. Um, and across those, you're gonna see uh, things such as like thinking citizen self-service, um, community outreach, a single agency front door applicant portals, um, employee portals, um, uh, tools to to enable agency collaboration, but also external collaboration with partners. And so that's really where um, I think agencies really should be poised to figure out how to use low-code solutions to turn those capabilities on very quickly, because quite frankly, they can. These are uh, agile-based solutions. um, While they are not necessarily turnkey, but they can, they're definitely um, things that can be used as quick wins.
0: I want to go back to something that you said earlier, Mia. You talked about the demand from the citizen to have the same experience with the government that they have with a private sector organization. And e-commerce, for years and years, we've been talking about comparing the e-commerce experience to the government experience digitally. Is that still a valid comparison, do you think, in 2022? Is that the the goal that government should aspire to, or is there, should government think differently about that interaction with the citizen and what that citizen's expectations are to get out of that experience?
3: I think the expectation has been set, quite frankly, you know, with the e-commerce example. Um, I mean, no matter the sector now that, you know, the experience is very similar in terms of I can walk walk in and do business with you. Uh, Or I can uh, do business with you uh, using my mobile device. Um, I don't think government should be any different. And I don't think that, I I think that the government would have a very difficult time trying to set a lesser expectation, right? I think it's easier to exceed expectations than to uh, not meet expectations and and think that you're going to get uh, good feedback.
0: Well, and if there's anything that we've learned technologically over the last, especially five years or so, it's that not only should uh, citizens expect uh, as much from government as they do from the private sector, they they have every reason to because the solutions are available now to government organizations to be able to implement them fairly easily, right?
3: Yeah, the the parity, right, between, you know, what's available in the commercial space uh, and what's available to to government and you know gov, gov cloud fed ramp solutions um, it's getting smaller and smaller. i mean salesforce as an example, even as it begins to roll out um, its different solutions to aerospace and to Dod it's thinking about that product parity. Um, and that's so important that these features that we you know we um, we beat our fists about, um, that they are available across kind of all sectors uh, for all all um, customers.
0: All right, What's the greatest lesson or maybe two or three lessons that government agencies can take away from the private sector doing this for years and years, Mia?
3: Uh, well, you know, modernization uh, in the digital era is a is a huge priority. And to continue to look at mission systems and figure out how to modernize those mission systems, Um, I think it is critical uh, to to, uh, the federal government's success. But also just delivering innovation quickly. Again, with the pandemic, I think we've been now accustomed that, you know, if we're going to roll out uh, loans or grants or or there's a disaster and we need to get resources in people's hands, uh, you know, the agile way is faster. Realizing faster time to value uh, should be mainstay. The other thing is around kind of uh, increasing transparency and accountability, and we have so many analytics tools now um, that are available to to leaders, I think, to really make real-time decisions, and that's ultimately, you know, what I think is good government, right? Being able to understand how your programs are impacting or not having the impact that you expect, and to quickly be able to pivot your resources uh, to respond appropriately. And I think the last thing that I would say around kind of uh, digital uh, transformation is the employee experience can't be forgotten. You know, uh, bringing in and retaining uh, a federal workforce that's going to continue to be able to provide great services to the citizens is paramount. And as agencies now figure out how to bring employees back to work or to remain in a virtual environment, tools are going to be needed to still allow employees to be effective and efficient from wherever they're doing their work. So those are some of the things that I think um, will remain kind of on the roadmap and that we'll continue to talk about over the next several months and years.
0: Mia Jordan, Salesforce, it's great to talk to you again. Thanks very much for coming on today.
3: Thank you, Francis.
0: The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put it together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Tomorrow, GSA Administrator Robin Carnahan. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.